Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Isn't the name of Jesus the only way to God? Isn't the name of Jesus the name which is above every name, the name that brings health, the name that brings healing, the name that brings deliverance, the name that is the way, the truth, and the life? Everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus did actually is in his name. All of his accomplishments, all of his conquest, all of his inheritance, it's all in the name, in the name of Jesus. And when we speak the name of Jesus in faith, it's the same as Jesus himself being present on the scene. The name of Jesus is full of life and full of power. The name of Jesus is not like any other name because God gave him a name which is above every single name. So I don't care what name you can think of. You know, in this town, you might think of President Trump, especially if you work for the government. You know, like, I have the president's authority on this. I have to tell you, that's not even in the same reality as the name of Jesus. Maybe I'm just going a little far there. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, a lot of times the Lord inspires people to name people certain things. So if it's a name given from God, but he gave Jesus a name which is above every other name. And his authority is above every other authority. And his authority is like his word. It's funny because he is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And um, he was in the beginning, and all things were made by him, and through him all things actually are sustained. But he gave him a name that is above every other name and every other authority. So when we're talking about the name of Jesus, we're talking about the authority that created the world. We're talking about the authority that created everything in the world. We're talking about the authority that holds everything in the world together. And, you know, we talked about in E.W. Kenyon's book, The Wonderful Name of Jesus, that a lawyer was hearing him speak and, uh, on this subject and came up to him afterwards, and he said, are you saying that Jesus gave us the power of attorney? And he said, I don't know. You're the lawyer. As a leader, that's a really good thing. Just ask people questions. Anyhow, Paul said, I determined among men to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. He said, well, if language means anything, then Jesus gave to the church the power of attorney. And then he said, that the value of the power of attorney is based on what's behind it. In other words, um, if someone gives you full power of attorney because they're going to go overseas or something, uh, like if you go overseas and you give your wife power of attorney, uh, unlimited power of attorney, she can do anything. She could wipe you out. She could change your bank accounts. She, I'm not trying to plan ideas. She could change your credit cards. She has it. It's as if you yourself were doing it. You know, she can, she can buy a burial plot. I mean, she could do whatever. And so Jesus gave to the church the power of attorney. In other words, we have access to all of his resources through his name. And not only his resources thinking like financially, but we have access to all of his resources. In other words, he's the one that defeated the devil himself and all the power of the enemy. So we have access through his name to that victory. And we have access through his name to his authority over sickness and disease. 
Like you understand, he had authority over sickness and disease because he had inherited a name that was greater than any sickness and greater than any disease. Not only that, he spoke as one with authority because why? He created all things. So when he commanded that sickness to leave bodies of people, he spoke with that authority and the sickness had no choice. So now then, his name not only includes what he got because he was the son of God and God gave him a name above every name than his inheritance, his authority of his name also includes because he was the victor. He's the one that won. And so through his conquest or through his, you know, he fought the battle and won. He did not give in to temptation. He came, he was subject, the Bible says, to like passions as we are. What does that mean? Well, I mean, he wanted to do the same crazy things that you want to do in your flesh, right? He wanted to, you know, overeat. But imagine that, he never overate. Or, you know, one of my favorite verses keeps me in ministry. <laughs> is, you know, they found Jesus, uh, you know, at the well, and uh, the disciples came back and they said, you know what, we're hungry. It's time to go eat. Let's go eat. Go eat. And he said, I have uh, meat that you don't know of. My meat is to do the will of God and finish his work. And so I meditate on that one day. I'm like, oh, he's saying what sustains me is doing the will of God and finishing his work, not bread alone. So he was a man. Did he need to eat? Of course, he, of course he needed to eat at some point. But he didn't put it first. And so because he came and he was subject to all of those things, just like you are subject to all of those things. Like especially on 495 traffic. I'm not, why do I keep looking at Dave? I don't know. In other words, he overcame all of those things, no matter how small or how big the temptation may seem to you at the moment. You know, when, when the, the devil is aiding you by clouding your vision, you think, well, this isn't that big of a deal. And then in hindsight, uh, when you can see from the God perspective, you're like, well, that was kind of a big deal. Probably shouldn't have done that. Probably shouldn't have talked to my kids that way. Probably shouldn't have done that at work. But um, Jesus didn't do it so that we would live a perfect life. He did it so we would be perfectly free. So that we would be set free from our failures and our mistakes. But the only way that we live in that freedom is in Christ. And our master key to access the things of Christ is the name of Jesus. Because in that name is contained everything that Jesus is. And so you can be in the midst of uh, uh, all kind of turmoil, but man, you just speak the name of Jesus in faith, the devil has no choice. Because that name, the authority of that name defeated him. And, um, and he doesn't have a place. So let's, let's read our main scripture text, which is Hebrews chapter 1. God who, it, and starting with verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past uh, under the fathers by the prophets, 
has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, who he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So God made the worlds by his Son, Jesus Christ, and he appointed him heir of all things. So all things were created, sounds like John 1.1, right? All things were created by him and through him, and as we're going to read in a second, by him all things consist, or they're held together, or one translation says, by the power of his word, they're held together. And Christ is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So really, when you invoke the name of Jesus in a situation, you're invoking the word of God in a situation. So you're actually saying, when you say, you know, it seems like you're going to get in a big, bad accident, you're sliding all over the place in the snow or whatever, and you don't know what to do, but you just say, in the name of Jesus, you have just invoked the very words of God that create and sustain all things. So is it any wonder that you hear the testimonies of person after person who invokes the name of Jesus and they have no idea how they didn't get destroyed in a car wreck? I mean, they know it's the name of Jesus, but still, like, we try to figure it out. <laughs> We're like, but yeah, but physics? How did physics not apply? Because physics doesn't apply in that realm as far as I know, not in the way it does here at least. Has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For un, uh, I'm probably going to read a lot, so just uh, get settled. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, You are my son, this day have I begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And the angels of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But under the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. And of course, this is talking about Christ, but it would apply to any believer who has loved righteousness and hated iniquity. I know, in other words, we love being right with God and in the favor of God and going into the presence of God, talking about the things of God, going into the word, going into a place where we've come together like this to meet in the name of Jesus. We love going there more than we like uh, doing things we ought not do and we know we ought not do. In other words, that's, that's our uh, uh, fulfilling our greatest desire. And so we're like, okay, Lord, I love coming to you and I love coming to your presence. Then what happens? Well, you'll be anointed with the oil of joy above everybody else around you. You'll be the happiest person around. Why? 
because you're not living conscious of your weaknesses, conscious of your failings, conscious of your mistakes, conscious like, well, yeah, but, yeah, but I can't do that. You know, well, um, okay, why don't you, you know, I'm having trouble financially. Well, why don't you tithe? The Bible says tithe. Well, but I can't do that. Okay, well, you're looking to yourself again, you know. Well, why don't you um, put in for that other job? Or why don't you talk to your boss about promotion? Yeah, but, but I can't do that. It's so easy for all of us just to look at ourselves. Or what we do is we look at the pattern that has happened. And we say, well, uh, they never let this happen. They never let that happen. You know, sometimes as a, as a minister, it can be challenging because, well, you like to tell the good and the bad stories. But when you just tell good stuff, then people think you only have good stuff happen to you. I wish my life was like that. Uh, no, uh, the Bible says that in all of these things, in famine, in pestilence, in troubles, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. That doesn't mean the absence of those problems. That doesn't mean that problems don't come to all of us. That means that in the midst of the problem, if you can wake yourself up for a second and say, wait a second, I'm going to do this God's way, then you can have God's results. But if you don't, you'll just be like everybody else. Oh, that was a horrible thing to go through. That sickness lasted like three weeks. That was horrible. But if in the midst of that, you do something else. So, you know, I, I worked at a company when I uh, lived in Tulsa. And at that company, um, they had a maximum financial promotion that you could get per year was 15%. And that was if you did like Two promotions with, you know, one at six months at the beginning, one at six months at the end, you know, it's kind of in there, you basically mess with the calendar <laughs> to make it, and you got like the full amount, because, you know, they had it set up so that the leaders and supervisors, okay, you have like a total of this much percent that you can give promotions with, and so they got to dole it out to different people and stuff like that. And, you know, if you have a very high performer, the most we'll let you do is 15% in a year. Do you know what? I got 30% at that company in one year. Why? Well, I would say because I was diligent and had the blessing of the Lord. Not just because I had the blessing of the Lord, and not just because I was diligent. You have to have like two things come together. Um, but we walk in the favor of God. What does that mean? That means in every interaction that you have, you have the favor of God. You've been invited in by the blood of Jesus. So if it's an interaction with sickness or disease, if it's an interaction with poverty or lack, if it's an interaction with low self-esteem, if it's an interaction with depression, if it's an interaction with temptation, doesn't matter what it is. You walk in the favor of God. That means before anything happens, you are favored of the Lord. In all of those situations, and many I didn't mention, you are favored of the Lord. But if you don't walk in that consciousness, you go in as a defeated one. Oh, here this comes again. This gets me every time. This always happens. So you're coming in, and you're already defeated. You're coming in acting like a child of the devil, but you're actually a child of the king. 
but you're coming. That's why I love what Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and then and, and Jesus then found it, you know, in, in Isaiah. When he said in uh, Luke chapter 4, we read, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He's rubbed on me and smeared on me to preach the gospel to the poor. And literally that means those that are cast down and bent, physically bent over and bowed over. And so uh, that doesn't mean just people that with some debilitating disease that bent over like this, but you know, like people with a, a depressed outlook on life or like this, you know, you can tell in people's countenance, they say 80% of your communication is nonverbal. And so people are like this and they're going through life like this. And Jesus said, I've been anointed to tell you, stand up straight, put your shoulders back, put your head up, smile and say, God is on my side, for the blood has been applied. Every need will be supplied, and nothing will be denied. So I'm not going to worry, and I'm not going to stress. I'm going to enter into rest, because I know I'm blessed. Why? Because he's the one that said it. He's the one that blessed me. Turn to Isaiah chapter 12. He's the one that set me free. It's not because of me. It's because of him. Isaiah chapter 12, I'm just going to read the entire chapter. It's only six verses. Don't get scared. And in that day, you will say, O Lord, I praise you. Um, Though you were weary, no, though you were angry with me in your anger, it turned away and you comforted me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, we draw water out of the wells of salvation. In other words, what kind of water are in the wells of salvation? Well, there's healing in that water, and there's deliverance in that water, and there's prosperity in that water, and there's right relationship in that water. And there's hope in that water. And there's a bright future in that water. And there's truth in that water. And there's stability in that water. And there's the peace of God that passes all understanding in that water that no matter what the world brings, no matter what direction it seems like the devil's trying to pressure you to go or trying to hold you back in, it doesn't matter. There's peace in the water. But we draw water from the wells of salvation with what? Joy. Well, how can you be joyful if it seems like everything around you is falling to pieces and falling apart and going the wrong way? You can only do that if you're a person of faith. In other words, wherefore, sirs, Paul stood on that ship, the waves are hitting the ship, it's actually starting to break up and looks like they're all gonna die. And he said, wherefore, sirs, I believe God that it will be even like he said. Sometimes you have to do that in your own life, even by yourself, and say, you know what? I'm seeing all this. I believe it's going to be the way God says it is. I believe that I am blessed coming in, and I am blessed going out. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. Uh, Something good always happens to me. Every day, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. He gives me new blessing, new hope, new health, new strength, new ability, new vision, I'm not stuck where I'm at because I have the blessing of the Lord. Well, maybe I should finish that. And in that day, you'll say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, 
declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth, cry out loud um, in the habit, excuse me, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of you. Great is God in our midst. Great is the Holy One in our midst. You understand, like, God is mighty among us. God is mighty among you. God is mighty in your situation. God is mighty in your finances. God is mighty in your marriage. God is mighty in your children. You know, if you have children, uh, you probably understand that you want the blessing of the Lord in their life. You know, the blessing of the Lord, I'm not talking, of course, you want them to prosper financially, but I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord changes everything. You have the favor of God on your life, on the life of your children, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the devil brings. If they turn to the Lord in every situation or in any situation, they'll have the blessing of the Lord. They will be more than a conqueror. They won't be defeated in the battle. They won't be defeated in the temptation. They won't be defeated in the moment of stress, and they won't be defeated in the moment of, of you know, relationship challenges. Uh, but they'll rise to the top and always come to the top. Back to Hebrews. It's a throne of righteousness, and he's anointed us with the, oh, Jesus with the oil of joy above all other believers. And as soon as you use the name of Jesus, you enter into that rest. You enter into that joy. You enter into that favor. You enter into that truth. And you, Lord, in the beginning have laid down the foundation of the earth, verse 10, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They're all going to perish, but you remain. They'll all wax old like a garment. Every, sometimes you buy clothes and like, it seems like a week later they're getting old. Not just looking. I mean, like, um, maybe you shouldn't buy it at the outlet. I don't know. Anyhow. And as a vesture, you will fold them up and they'll all be changed. But you are the same. Aren't you glad? He never changes. And the years, your years will not fail. Tomorrow, God's going to be the same as he is today. And next week and next year, and, you know, if Jesus waits and doesn't come right away, uh, when we all die and go to heaven and our kids are still here, he's, he's going to be the same. Same word, same God, same blessing, same favor, same love. But unto which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies uh, your footstool? Are they not all minister in spirit sent to minister for them that are heirs of salvation? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest at any time we let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience re received a just recompense of reward, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which... At the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God 
also bearing them witness with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For under the angels has he not put into subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that you put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, actually it says a little lower than Elohim, which is the uh, Godhead, you know, for the suffering of death, crowned him with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. This is such an amazing passage of Scripture that Jesus went on before us. He became our brother and we became... Uh, his, the heir of God and his joint heir, part of his family, verse 12, saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church, I will sing and give praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God has given me, that's us, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So he destroyed the power that the, of death that the devil has over you through his own death and delivered them through, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Actually, I'm just going to stop right there. Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And I'll, I'll finish with that. You know, we talked about that a little bit last week, if you were able to watch online. And um, through fear of death, people put a cap on their life all the time. Imagine if an if a, a aircraft test pilot was afraid to die. Like, an overly anxious fear to die. Obviously, everybody has a, a healthy fear, like, you know, if I do that, I might not survive. But you get put in bondage when you allow the fear of death to rule you. And sometimes I think we just put it in that arena of, um, I can't think of that guy's name, you know, of, of people that are like, I'm a test pilot, so you know I, I might die. I have a very dangerous job, or I'm in the military, so I'm going to Afghanistan. So you know, uh, people be like, "Oh, be real careful." This type of stuff, and different people's belief they respond in different ways, and that's not the subject of my message. But anyhow, who through fear of death are all their whole life subject to bondage? Well, death is what it's a separation. Some people put themselves in bondage because they're afraid that people will not accept them. 
So they're afraid of that separation. Like, uh, everybody else is going to look at me and laugh, so to speak. You know, I'm going to be an outcast. I'm afraid of that separation. Or who through fear of death, their whole life are subject to bondage. So some people become a hypochondriac. And so when sickness and disease start going around certain areas and stuff, like they're in bondage. But actually, I'm thinking of one lady right now, and her whole life, she's bound because she's allergic to this, she's allergic to that. What about this disease? What about that? What about that? And so when I first knew her, she wasn't like that. She maybe had just like one allergy or something. But the fear of this death, sickness is death in its beginning stages, the fear of this put her in bondage her whole life. She changed churches because of it, not because of belief. Well, not because of biblical beliefs that the church held. She changed because of her belief about an allergy she had. So she couldn't even go to her church. I mean, that's bondage. And he delivered us who through fear of death our whole lifetime are subject to bondage. You know, like uh, some men, uh, in particular women, I guess women get the same way. I don't know. I'm not one, so I don't know. But um, <laughs> I'll just stop there. Anyhow. Um, a lot of times, jealousy is fear of death. It's fear of separation of that relationship. And so all of a sudden, they, they get put in bondage. And then not only is it good enough for them to be in bondage and like they're constantly worried and all this stuff about it, then they're going to put the other person in bondage. So, I mean, death takes a lot of forms and the fear of death. You know what happens if you go to work and you're afraid of the death of your job all the time, constantly? You act like you're going to lose your job. And you know what happens? Many times, you lose your job. So you're in this bondage, and then this happens, and then that happens, and then it, the devil uses that. Like, he multiplies it because now, well, you've lost your job. You just got fired, so probably the next job, you won't last that long. <laughs> and you won't if you don't change your thinking. So Jesus delivered us from all of that. And it is in his name, when we use his name, we come in contact with all that he is and all that he has. And he has given unto you if you're a born-again believer, his name that you can use in every single situation. Somebody told me <laughs> when uh, uh, I first started preaching back in the mid-'90s, uh, somebody told me, a pastor, uh, my pastor at the time told me, and uh, I thought it was good advice. He said, if you ever get in the middle of a message and you don't know what to do, just say, Jesus. <laughs> he said, it fits every time. So if you're ever in a situation this week, this month, this year, if you ever again have a challenge, any challenging situation in your life, I may not be talking to anybody here, but if you ever have another challenge in your life, just stop for a second. Think of the fact that he made all things, he sustains all things, and he gave you the power of attorney to use his name. And don't even think of anything else. Just say, in the name of Jesus, and see what happens. 
because you have just invoked the word of God in your situation. And now you probably be hearing things from the Lord. He may say, okay, do this, do that, do this, do that. Sometimes in some situations, you just say that name and everything lines up immediately. I was praying for a lady and uh, um, she had one leg shorter than the other. And so I had her sit down, had her put her legs out and they were like, you know, kind of like this. And so I think it was the first time I prayed for somebody uh, that had one leg shorter than the other. And so I just said, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And, um, and uh, I'm going to say in the name of Jesus. And then, and when I said what I was going to say, as soon as I said, I'm going to say in the name of Jesus, you could watch her leg. Whoop. And I said, well, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I guess I don't need to pray now. You know, I'm telling you, there's power in the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Stand with me if you would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that in his name we have access even to talk with you and to learn from you and to learn from your word. Father, I pray for each and every person that's here, each and every person that's listening. Father, that this year, 2018, that in all of our lives, it'll be a year of heaven on the earth, a year of the Holy Ghost and fire, a, a, a year of your will being done on earth, even as it is in heaven. Father, I pray that you give us strength in our inner man according to your ability, according to your riches. I pray that your love would abound in us more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, Father, that we would not look to our own selves, not look to our own ability, but that we would look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him that he endured the cross, not despising it, but he endured it for our sakes. Father, thank you. Thank you for setting us free from sickness. We declare we are healed in our bodies. Thank you for setting us free from financial lack. We declare we are blessed in our finances. Thank you for setting us free from the power of the devil that we're not on the way to hell, but we're on our way to heaven, living the good life, the God life, the blessed life. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've or you've known the Lord and you've um, gotten out of the house of God and maybe backslid into sin and wrongdoing, or you're here and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues and you'd like to be, or you have sickness in your body, you'd like prayer for any of those things or maybe even something else, I just invite you to come down and we'll pray with you and for you. We'll invoke the name of Jesus, all the power, all the deliverance, all the ability of Christ will show up in an instant on your behalf. If that's you, just slip up your hand or come right down here and we'll pray with you and for you.